0: Amen. Man, that's good stuff. Wherever you are, I hope that you're smiling like I am. And man, I I know that if we showed that video in person, we were all together, we would be erupting in applause. God is so good and His goodness, Hills Church, is on display through you. In the midst of this season, God's love is radiating through the way that you are reaching out to others, the way that you are serving, and hearing some of those stories has been such an encouragement to me. I wanna welcome everybody who is with us, and if you've been joining us over these last couple of weeks uh, online exclusively, uh, my name's Taylor, I'm one of the ministers here, I serve on our teaching team, and I'm excited to get to conclude our Rescued series in the book of Galatians. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Galatians chapter 6. In a moment, we're going to read that passage, but it's been quite a journey over these last couple of weeks. When we started this series, we were meeting in person, and there had been no shelter-in-place orders running yet. We, uh, we saw headlines, but they were all on the other side of the world, and it's, it's wild to think that over these last several weeks, I mean, when we started this series, that seems like a lifetime ago, and yet, this Sunday, it's been on our calendar, for, for our preaching calendar, for a number of months to, to be in Galatians 6, and we had no idea where the world would be or what our season of life would look like right now, but God knew And God has a word for us today from Galatians 6 with two key things that I believe are some of the things that are going to encourage us, inspire us through God's word, through the leading of the Holy Spirit in this season. And so, I'm gonna begin in Galatians 6, reading verses 1 through 10. Let's listen to God's word. Dear brothers and sisters, If another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You're not that important. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God, you will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. This is God's word. We have... 13 letters attributed to the Apostle Paul in the library that we call the, the New Testament, this collection of writings. And inside of those 13 letters, Paul writes sometimes just to individual people, sometimes to pastors and leaders, sometimes to entire churches. And just, uh, just like here in Galatians, writing to a, a region and a group of churches meeting in homes, not unlike how we're meeting scattered in homes right now. Now, It's pretty common for the Apostle Paul, he has this habit that towards the end of a lot of these letters to churches, that he will hit kind of a laundry list of takeaways, action items for how to live that are all built upon the truth that he's taught in that letter. That's essentially what we have here in Galatians 6. Paul's point, now hear this really clearly, Paul's point is not, do this and you'll be saved. Because over these last several weeks, we've been talking again and again about the fact that Jesus is enough to save us and his spirit is enough to change us. That's what Paul's been driving at over and over and over again to try and make this point. So as he gives these action items, if you hear things about harvesting and reaping what you sow, Paul's point is not, if you do all the right things, you'll be saved. He's been preaching against that and we've been talking about that over the last several weeks His point is not, do this and you'll be saved. Paul's point is, this is how saved people live and serve each other, led by the Spirit of God. So to rephrase some of this laundry list, saved people don't buy into a cancel culture that gives no second chances. They restore others gently. Saved people don't tell hurting individuals to heal themselves. No, they they serve and help. Saved people don't live in comparison with others. Instead, they live in commitment to whatever the Lord has given them to do. Saved people don't give first importance to their own fears or desires. They give first importance to God's truth and his Spirit's leading. Basically, this list that Paul gives, these, all these different examples, they help to sum up the effect of receiving the promise of God's grace, being filled with the Spirit of God. So for this first half of the chapter, if I was going to sum up this entire list, here, here's how I might phrase Paul's invitation. Bless everyone every chance you get. Bless everyone every chance you get. That's partly why Paul says, as we have opportunity, whenever we have this opportunity, we should do good to everyone. Now, blessing, it comes in many different forms, which is why we see this varied list. I want to highlight two in particular for ways that we bless one another. Now, when I look at this, I see that we bless others by carrying each other's burdens. Man, I, I read that, and for all the ways I could think about right now, I actually thought about last fall. Now, if, you are, uh, if you're a regular part of our church, then you know that this last fall, I broke my foot one month before my second child was born. Now, there, there's never a, a good time to break your foot, but there are especially bad times. And when your wife is eight months pregnant and your two-year-old toddler is running around like crazy, that's a bad time to break your foot. And it got even more stressful and overwhelming when the doctor told me that I was gonna have to have surgery. And then, in recovery from surgery, I was gonna have to keep from putting any weight on that foot for three months, well into my uh, daughter's infancy. Uh, this was incredibly stressful for us, but as soon as word got out, one of the things that the gifts that God gave us was that we got to live into the reality of this passage and this idea of carrying each other's burdens, except we weren't the ones carrying the burdens. We were the burdened. Now, what you need to know is that we have no blood relatives in the state of Texas. But by the blood of Jesus, we have a whole lot of family. And so there were all these people who came around and started carrying our burdens with us Sending us encouraging notes, praying with us, bringing meals, doing yard work, even even giving me rides when I got to start going back to work. I mean, they helped out in all kinds of ways, and we lived into the reality of this. Saw the beauty of the family of God, serving one another, caring for each other. And, And part of Paul's point is that's part of our witness to the world. And partly why he highlights that we do this especially for those in the family of the faith. But right now, in the moment that we're in, you know, I, I, I read this and I thought, the longer that this season lasts, and I pray it ends sooner than we expect, but the longer this season lasts, the more that people will be burdened. The weight people will be carrying will not only be material and financial and social, but the burdens will be mental and emotional and spiritual. And they are already beginning to pile up on people's shoulders. Rich Viotas is a pastor in New York. His church is five minutes from Elmhurst Hospital in Queens. It's one of the hospitals that's been featured in the news. Is unfortunately, just they, that that the Elmhurst Hospital has experienced some of the worst of the pandemic's effects in New York. Now, here's what he has to say about faith in a time like this. Pastor Viota says that faith is not to be a private, isolated conviction we hold on to. Faith is best deepened in community. My suggestion to people who want to build their faith is simple, invite a friend or two to share the troubles of your soul and pray with each other, trusting that God is near. And I love that. A reminder that in the midst of this, one of the best things that we can do is even while we are having to practice social distancing to make sure that we are spiritually connected, that we are open with our burdens, that for all the ways that we don't want to, as Paul says, uh, give up on continuing to do good, that doesn't mean that we have to put up a false front. And so there have been times, even in the last couple of weeks, that I've texted friends, brothers in Christ, close people to me and, and just ad, admit I mean, even, even recently we had a Zoom call with our community group and we were all checking in and it was about half the group who said, hell, we're loving all this family time together even though we're very sad about what's happening in the world. And then there was the other half of the group that was going, man, this is just rough. We are worn out, we are stressed, we are tired. And it was an opportunity to share each other's burdens, to pray together, believing that God is near. That's part of the blessing that we can experience in this season. But but the blessings that Paul frames for us isn't just how we care for the burdened, it's also how we do good and spread God's love to others in our lives and in our church. That we bless by doing good. Now, I've been... Hunting for some do good stories this week, and partly because they're just so encouraging to hear. I loved watching that video to open this sermon and see all those different forms. And so I asked some friends online and Hills family to share some some good news kind of stories. I heard all kinds of different awesome examples of people making grocery runs and caring for others and praying for those who are sick and writing encouraging notes, all kinds of different things. I just want to share uh, three of my favorite stories that, that came out of uh, that list. There's a single professional who had to self-quarantine. Now she has a, a 76-year-old neighbor and when she was self-quarantined, she, she said she thought that, that that older neighbor being in a vulnerable population and demographic would be mad at her, annoyed with her. But instead, this 76-year-old neighbor, quote, called me every day to make sure I was all right and added groceries to her delivery order to put outside my door. It was refreshing to me. I've heard so many stories about, about family members and community members and church members who are helping the elderly, but I love that story about an elderly neighbor sharing the love of Christ and supporting and encouraging a younger person who was quarantined. Someone at our West Fort Worth campus shared, I've gotten a poignant response from three neighbors from the Neighbors Helping Neighbors printable. My wife and I just moved in to this house a couple of months ago and this has been a very good tool to help us meet our neighbors. What a great opportunity for outreach. And if you haven't gone to the hills.org/updates yet, there's a bunch of resources available there as lo- along with all the latest information that we're putting out. And one more. This was a personal favorite. It comes to us from a family at our South Lake campus, Joe and Rachel Varney. They were trying to figure out a way to celebrate their son, Zeke, who was turning 10 and, and just trying to figure out, you know, they had to scrap the birthday plans and come up with something different. And so they kind of, they, they, they put out the call to a bunch of their, their community and their, their friends at church and, and said, hey, if, if you want to drive by, we're going to kind of do a makeshift sort of, you know, just drive by birthday parade moment. Now, these photos are some of the results because they didn't even know how it was going to go. So Zeke was out there and the family was there. And then all of a sudden, all these cars came through. And afterwards, Zeke's mother, Rachel, wrote, 32 cars, 111 people, 10 kids from our Sunday school group. What an insane turnout for our crazy plan. And she concluded with this, we are so blessed. Man, I loved that. Doing good spreads joy and love. Two things we desperately need more of in this season. But Paul acknowledges that blessing others, man, it's it's not gonna be easy. He says, and this is the NIV's rendering of this, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. When I read that this week, that that word weary struck a chord. And this has been a season that for a lot of us, I mean, it it started out as kind of an extended spring break. And then as it lingered and continued and as the headlines and the updates have gotten more and more somber and serious and we're seeing record numbers, in the midst of that, it's... It's been pretty easy to feel weary, to feel worn out. And so while Paul acknowledges this, I I, want to briefly kind of take a a quick detour from from the passage here and, and speak to our moment in history. Not only that, but in the midst of, of, of wrestling with sometimes feeling weary and feeling burdened, uh, I, I want to give you just a quick exercise, something that I've been doing at home with me and my wife, and, and it's been helpful. I've walked through this pastorally with different people in our church over the phone, even in these last couple of weeks. And so here's just three questions that are helpful to ask. This is from a a pastor named Jared Mackey. It's just an exercise to be able to work through some of the weariness and acknowledge where we're at, but still zoom out and see a bigger picture. The first question that we can ask ourselves is, what has the pandemic taken away? This is a question that offers us the opportunity to express our grief, to process the things that, that we're grieving, the things that we've lost, These things range all over the map. If you've watched on our morning devotionals at 8.30, then you've heard different speakers and ministers talk a little bit about different things that they're grieving. I wanna be really clear, to, to, to grieve something, to grieve a loss is not a faithless move, and it's not ungrateful. To express our grief is to acknowledge wounds that we're carrying, and rather than being burdened by them over and over again to begin to express them and let go and give them up to the Lord, That is an act of faith. But after we ask this question, we don't want to stay here because this will leave us weary. This will leave us in despair. This is a long list. And so the second question to ask is what has the pandemic not changed? This leads us to a place of awareness, to realize that for all the ways that our world has been turned upside down, there are many things that have not changed. The ability to maybe the way that we love uh, our our family, our friends, our loved ones, those who are out of town or even right now in a time of social distancing, even across the, the street or the city, this still has not changed that we can send encouraging words. It still has not changed that we can serve others when we get creative. It still has not changed in the zoom out bigger picture that God is still sovereign. It hasn't changed that Jesus is still our hope. It hasn't changed so many different things and this will lead us to a place of awareness. But then the last question, maybe one that, well, it might seem a little counterintuitive. But the last question is, what has the pandemic given me? This is an opportunity to recognize that even in the midst of a season we would never want, struggles, we would never wish on ourselves or others, that there is in fact blessing that God can bring in the midst of burdens and wounds and struggles. And so this allows us to ask these questions, to work through this, it's been helpful for me to recenter and get past that wearying place of grieving and instead move beyond to become aware of what has not changed and to celebrate in gratitude the blessings that God gives even now. And from that place, one of the blessings for me this season I mean, one of the blessings has been all these stories of people doing good. It's been inside and outside the church. People are hungry for hope in a time like this. And so maybe, maybe like me, you were one of the tens of millions that saw actor John Krasinski's video. He started this uh, Some Good News Network. And, uh, and so he posted this video. It's just 15 minutes chock full of good news of things happening in the world. I was watching that and all of a sudden in the midst of this video, there's this story of an 81-year-old named John Klein and his wife Anne who suffers from Alzheimer's. And this week millions heard John standing outside her window sing this song. Listen to this. Oh. And I I teared up the first time that I watched that. I mean, I'm watching this video. It's with an actor from from the office, and I'm not expecting to have an encounter again with the good news of Jesus, and yet all of a sudden, there it is. What a blessing in these moments that the gospel, the good news of Jesus and, and his saving grace, I mean, it shines in these moments of darkness, And that is where Paul goes to conclude and finish the book of Galatians. All of this doesn't hang on whether or not we have the strength to keep doing good. But in the midst of this, Paul comes back to what's going to give us strength again? What's going to give us resolve? What's going to keep us from growing weary? And as he sums up this letter, I want want you to hear what he writes starting in verse 11. Notice, What large letters I use as I write these closing words in my own handwriting. Those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want to look good to others. They don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save. And even those who advocate circumcision don't keep the whole law themselves. They only want you to be circumcised so they can boast about it and claim you as their disciples. As for me, May I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified and the world's interest in me has also died. It doesn't matter whether we've been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. From now on, don't let anyone trouble me with these things. For I bear on my body the scars that show I belong to Jesus. Dear brothers and sisters, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. This is how Paul finishes Galatians. Like this, this is his, his big concluding moment to, to sum up and wrap up everything that he's been saying and arguing for over these last six chapters. And as he gets here, you notice in verse 11, he says, notice what large letters I use. Okay, so maybe in, in, if you've got a physical copy of the Bible in front of you, a lot of translations will actually put this in all caps, in part, because it's believed that, that when Paul was working on this letter, many times, it's even noted at different places in the Bible, uh, in the New Testament, when Paul was, was writing letters, he was actually dictating the letters. Someone else was writing them down. And this is often acknowledged. But right here, it's like Paul is so amped about what he wants them to understand. He's trying so hard to help them receive this truth that that he he basically goes for he goes for the pen and he starts writing and he's he's not a professional scribe, and he's writing with these bigger letters, and he's like, "Look, you've got to hear this, and he writes this last part by himself, and it would be like. Okay, I, I, I you know I can't do that right now, but but from a stream standpoint, like it would be like instead of using all these cameras that our tech team and our production team who have worked so hard that they did, it would be like all of a sudden if I decided I'm just gonna I'm gonna take over some part of the stream and I'm gonna come right here and I'm gonna talk to you as if I could just reach out and, and put my my hands on your shoulders and say, Look, I want you to get this. Like like I need you to hear and understand because if you miss this, if you miss this moment. If you miss what I've been saying and you come back to once again trusting in yourself, you will have missed everything. The whole reason I've been writing, the whole hope we have as Christians. This is what Paul's trying to say. Okay, I'm gonna back off. Here's the deal. This is Paul's way of trying as best he can to have this all caps gospel mic drop moment where he says, look, you've got to understand what this is about and where do we put our hope? Where do we put our, our, our trust? Where do we put our, our boasting? Where do we do any of that? Well, I love, I was reading different translations of this and I, I couldn't help but smile in the ESV, it actually reads, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's like, for Paul, he's like, here's the thing. This isn't just about social distancing. We need some spiritual distancing right here. And it's gonna be a lot more than six feet, okay? There needs to be a a chasm, a canyon, a cosmos between me and putting any stock in how I obey or how if I could do enough to be saved. The whole point is that only Jesus Christ can rescue us. That's what Paul's been writing about. And saying, Look, you've got to distance yourself from ever thinking that you're the one who earns your faith. Far be it from me. And instead realize that the farther we get away from thinking that we can save ourselves, the closer we come to the cross of Christ, where Jesus was willing to die and pay for our sins, where Jesus took our place, where Jesus gave us hope. And not only do we grow close to the cross of Christ where everyone's level, where we want to be gentle with all other sinners, where we want to encourage each other, but not only that, we grow closer to the empty tomb that we'll celebrate next week as he rose from the grave. And through this, he has won for us forgiveness and hope. And Paul is saying, you've got to understand Here's here's some really simple, and this is not original to me, but here's some really simple spiritual math for you about all this Jesus plus nothing equals everything. When it comes to faith, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. If my faith is in Jesus, I don't need to put my faith in anything else. I don't need to put my, my stock, my, my hope, my, my sense of comparison with others. I don't need any of that. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That's the bedrock of faith to come back to what Jesus has done for me, not for what I've done for myself. What Jesus has done for me, not for what others tell me to do so that I can be enough or do enough. What Jesus has done for me and his spirit will be the one to lead me into this new life because when I have put my faith in Jesus, it leads to a transformed life. It leads to blessing with others. It it leads to to a community of faith. It leads to a new creation, not just an improved world. That's where this all comes back to. Man, in this time, I really waffled with whether or not I was gonna share this last part, because throughout the day, Like so many of you, I've been trying to love my family well, the people I'm quarantined with well, trying to serve others, encourage others, be texting on the phone, trying to do work in the margins, all those different things. But one of the things that has centered me is that each night I get down on my knees next to my son's bed and I sing This little song that I wrote when he was little, when I would try and rock him to sleep. I got really, really tired of singing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Stars. So I just took that melody and I started singing. Thank you, Jesus, for today. You provide in every way. You came to earth, in love you died, in power you rose to reign on high. You sent the Spirit to guide our way, and you will return someday. That's our hope, over and over and over again. Every Sunday, every Monday, every what day is it? I've been quarantined too long. Jesus is there and he is our rescue. Let's pray together. Oh God, we love you and we trust you. For the parts of our heart that need to hear again, this hope is only in you. Resurrection is only from you. Forgiveness is only from you. Lead us and guide us in your mercy and grace. Please, Lord Jesus, and help us to see you and trust you anew. It's in the power of your name and the hope of your resurrection and the saving work of your cross that we pray. Amen.